y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. Today, I'm chatting with Laura. Laura is a remarkable woman. We chat about burlesque. We chat about how um, she had to help her overcome infidelity with her husband and how they're still together, which is amazing to me. Um, And just the power of forgiveness and loving ourselves. Laura actually is going to be on in March. Again, we're going to talk about self-esteem in women for my Women's um, History Month. Every day in March, there will be a podcast episode, so look forward to that. That'll be the start of Season 3 of Chats from the Blog Cabin. We are almost into the third season, guys. Can you believe it? I just hope you learn a lot from Laura, as I did. Um, It was such a fun chat, and I can't wait for her to come back on. So you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I have a very interesting guest on. She has traveled through basically everything you could possibly think of, and now she helps with burlesque. So introduce yourself and tell us all about yourself. (laughs) So nice to be here. Thank you. Oh, yes, I have traveled through so much. My name is Laura Cheadle, and I like to say that I am a fully recovered corporate attorney. I practiced law for 10 years. I left to stay at home and raise my kids, which I did, and I loved it. During that time, I kind of lost touch with my identity, because if I wasn't a lawyer, who was I? And I became their mom, and I became his husband. And somewhere along the line there, I thought, I've got to get back to who I am. And when I was growing up, I always danced. So I started dancing again. And you know how it is when you're a mom, your schedule isn't your own. You have to plan your stuff around other people's. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. only dance class that was available was a burlesque class. And I thought, I have no idea what that is, but it's available and I'm doing something for me. So I'm going to do it. Ended up learning all about burlesque, which is a parody and it's got all this humor. Fell in love with it. A month later, found myself at an audition. A month after that, found myself in Las Vegas dancing. (laughs) which was so crazy because I never intended that. Started loving it. Women started flocking to me around the whole, you know, body shame and judgment, doing what you love. I ended up coaching women. I ended up getting a book contract. Everything was on the up and up, which is when I found out my husband of 23 years had been cheating on me all along. Mm-hmm. 15 of those years. Yeah. Not just with like one woman, but with five different women. Wow. 
oh yeah. So literally it was like, I'd come up that everything was, my life was finally my own and it was going to be all about me. And I found that out and I've had to completely rebuild from there. I mean, talk about an identity shift. I'm a lawyer. I'm a mom. I'm, you know, this up and coming coach and author and wham, now I have no value and no worth. And who am I? Long and the short, I, it's hard to say it was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm-hmm. but it rips everything away. And it is absolutely your sink or swim moment. You cannot hide anymore. There is mm-hmm. no pretending. Everything is out there. And I love the woman that I have become and the things that I have learned, I could not have learned any other way. So yeah, I love that intro when you said I've been through it all. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about your journey from the infidelity, finding out about your husband to how you find your happiness right now. Let's, so let's talk about that before we talk about your coaching other women and other things like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, what was so, there were so many layers of what was so awful about that. And I didn't find out all at once. I found out in some stages. So it felt, my whole world didn't crumble. It, I, everything I thought I was sacrificing for our greatest good. I thought we were a team. I thought all of these things were happening. And it took a long time for me to even process. You know, they talk about shock. You go into shock when there's a traumatic event. Absolutely. I couldn't understand. We had such a, a, a good relationship. We had so much fun together. <laughs> Life was how it had to be wrong. I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And as I started to learn and as he started, we started to talk and he moved out and we ended up going to a weekend um, conference basically on infidelity. It was like, you know, three week, three week, three days of that weekend where we we talked and we started exploring and I started learning and understanding what infidelity really meant because, okay, let me step back and say this. Mm-hmm. 70% of people in relationships and marriages admit to some sort of infidelity. 70%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nobody talks about it. And all we have is kind of this Hollywood, almost glamorized version sometimes of infidelity and what it means and the other woman and da 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 And what it's really about is none of that. Mm-hmm. And it really made me realize it wasn't about me. It didn't say anything about my worth or my ability to be a good wife or my sexuality or my desirability. It meant that he had a problem. Mm-hmm. And like many, and this is sexist, but like many men, many men are not able to express their emotion because they're called, you know, sissy or wimpy or whatever. He had a lot that he kept inside and he didn't know how to express it. And 
it, it infidelity was in a, his way of acting out in essence. And he was a former foster child. He grew up mm -hmm. in a horrific family experience in extreme poverty and with extreme abuse. He didn't have a way to process any of those emotions. Not that infidelity answered those questions, but when he would be in pain, he would strike out. And that was the way that he could strike out where nobody would know. And nobody did know for a lot of years. And I'm not excusing it because it's inexcusable. But as I started learning about what infidelity means and what children who are, you know, adult children of alcoholics <laughs> in foster care uh, of child abuse, all the pieces of the puzzle started coming together. And it really did make me see this isn't about me. It's about him. And when we could, when I could untangle myself from what he did, because he didn't do it to me. He did it to him and I was a part of it. And that's, it still gets really complicated in my mind. <laughs> but when I could really separate us as this is me and my soul, this is me and my worth, and this is him and we're not tangled, then I could start processing. And then I could start getting really clear on who I was and extricate myself and become stronger and more in my own power because no longer was I just his wife. I was me and I'm in charge of me and I can make whatever the situation means because of me and I'm not beholden to him or to anybody else ever. So what would you suggest for women that are going through this right now? What would you tell them? That no matter how you feel right now, it's okay to feel that. It is absolutely to go into the rage and the blame and the shame. But it's not you. You will get through it. And to keep turning back into your truth and to your heart because you are responsible for you and nobody can do anything to you and they can't make you and they nobody can ruin your life. It's up to you to choose what to do. Feel it all, feel it all, feel it all, feel it all. And then start making your choices for you. Yeah, because yeah. I know I have several friends that right now are going through this, that they're finding out after years of being married that their husband has cheated on them multiple times, have, have had, even had um, affairs. Three of my friends have found out that there's been affairs that lasted three to four to five years and still ongoing. So, and a lot of people think it's the woman's fault when all this happens. And that's what I, I hate that because women shouldn't be made to feel guilty because a man goes outside of the marriage. So, right. so did you have a lot of judgment that way too? Yes. And that was really hard. And my husband and I are still together. And that was really hard for people to accept too. People would say, what did you do wrong? And you know what? That's, I think it's so common for women. 
I don't know. What did I do wrong? I can get better. I can fix myself. I can change. I can lose weight. I can fix my, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> there are issues in everyone's marriage. There are communication breakdowns in every single relationship. And when two people are committed to it, they can get over it and they can get help for themselves. Without fail, whenever a man or a woman goes outside of the relationship, it is because they have a shortcoming. A shortcoming is not bad. We all have shortcomings, but it's that they are not choosing to do the work. They're taking the easy way out. An affair is, it's, it's like so many other crutches, drinking to numb your feelings, gambling to numb your feelings, overspending to numb. We, it's just one more crutch. And it's about, it's about the person who cheats. And again, they're not morally reprehensible. They are making a choice because they're not stepping up and getting the help or saying the things that they need to say. And again, if you think about seven out of 10 people mm -hmm. fall into that behavior, wow, it's just one more thing that we're clearly not talking about and not understanding. And that's one thing we should be talking about and trying to understand. And you said your husband and you are still together. So how did you get over that? It take, I know a lot of work and a lot of trust issues, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And in in my case, and everybody is different. Um, you know, that's the thing. When I found out about the first affair, it was you are out of here. I judged him immediately. We're done. <laughs> and he left. And as I found out about affair number two and three and four and five, instead of getting more angry and more bitter, which I don't want to be an angry, bitter person, that's not who I am. I did legitimately start getting curious. How could you, how, why? We had a really connected marriage. We had a lot of fun. So what's wrong. It's not like we were both sitting there isolated, sharing, you know, having separate bedrooms. What is going on? And around that time that I started getting really curious, that was when his defenses almost also broke down. When this first came to light, it was, I did this because you made me. I did this because you are a you know, which I did it because you. And when we were in that mode, it was like, there's there's no communication and I will not take that on. As I learned more and as he started talking more, it became, I am eternally sorry for this. There is something wrong in me and I don't know what it is. And I cannot explain it right now. You didn't make me do this. I chose this and I don't know why. I have got a big problem. And as long as he was saying he owned that and he knew, and then I'm saying, yeah, I get that. Let's explore it together. Because again, I had to be very selfish has got a bad connotation and I don't want it to have the bad connotation, but I had to be very selfish in that. Who am I? 
What do I want and how do I want to be going forward? I know I'm a good person. I know I made mistakes in the marriage, but I know I never cheated. I never lied. I never, there were times that I would intentionally poke. We all do. But I was not a chronic tearing him down, ripping. The mistakes that I made in the marriage were in the normal realm. I could own those mistakes. Something was wrong and I needed going forward. I didn't want to be bitter. I didn't want to be angry. And I didn't want to spend the rest of my life saying, he did this to me and I was such a victim and blah, blah, blah. I knew I needed understanding around that so I could keep myself being who I was. So I would go back to that all the time. Who are you, Laura? Who are you and what do you want? I want understanding. I need understanding. And fortunately, he was in a place where he had spent so much time being in pain himself based on his past. He too was also in a place of, I've got to get a handle on my past. I've got to get a handle on myself. And whether you stay with me or not, I need understanding around this. And that was my decision too. I'm not saying if we're staying together or not, but I need understanding. And as long as you're willing to keep working and keep talking, I will take that. And it's not, nobody can promise forevermore, you know, that we'll stay together forever. But as long as we are still on the same page, we've always had fun together. We've always enjoyed each other's company. We continue to work. And I think the rest of our lives at this point, we will continue to work on it. The affair does come up. The affair is uh, pretty much every day. It's always a topic of conversation. It always comes up in movies, in TV shows. And we're always like, whoa, <laughs> got to talk about that. And again, since he continues to do the work and I continue to do the work, we're always talking in new and different ways. So we are together and we are happier now because we're having conversations at a different level than we did before, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Now, what did your kids think about this? Because when they found out. Yeah. Um, when they found out, my youngest, we found out literally like two weeks before my youngest graduated from high school. So again, it was this all-time high. We're going to be empty nesters. We're going to have this great summer. Bam. The one who was in high school witnessed a lot because I let myself break down every day. And I spent most of my time on the floor sobbing. And even though when you would come home, you know, he, he would still see a lot of stuff. He also then got the gift, and I will say it's a gift, of my husband, his dad moving back home and seeing some of these conversations and having my husband explain to him, I was in a lot of pain and I can't express myself and there are no words and I don't want you to be that that man. I don't want you to grow up feeling trapped by your emotion or feeling judged that as a man you can't cry. So the and then my oldest was in college, so he didn't witness it as much, but he has seen the change in his father's behavior and they're closer now. 
they never were as close as they are now, again, because now their dad is talking to, to them on a more emotional level. I'm feeling stress around this. I'm feeling anger around this. I want to cry. And he will now cry, you know, in front of them. And he will encourage that kind of connection and conversation. Is there anger? Yeah, there's still some anger. Is there still some confusion? Yeah. You know, over Christmas, my oldest said, I don't, I still don't understand why you stayed with dad. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that because life is complicated and relationships are complicated. So they understand more. And as long as they're willing to continue to talk, I do think they will become better men for it. And seeing the carnage, I hope to God, <laughs> they also understand the true consequences of behavior like that and that they would absolutely never do it to their wife or their girlfriend. I love the fact that you're showing them that it's okay to show emotions. It's okay to get help because I think if your husband hadn't stepped up and said, there's something wrong with me, I need to get help that you probably would have, it would have probably would have trickled down to your boys and it might have, they may have felt like it was acceptable to do all this stuff. So I'd love that you were willing to say, Hey, let's, let's work on this. Let's get help. Let's show them what a healthy relationship is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Because relationships are hard and there are, we all have consequences <laughs> from our childhood. You know, we've all, we've all been messed up in some way or misunderstood or learned something that is no longer true. And it's okay to get help. You just have to admit it. And so many, I mean, so many people just don't admit it. They just gloss over it. But I think men, especially if you ask for help, you're weak. And I mean, women too, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you ask for help, you're weak. Our whole culture kind of tells us to buck up and muscle through. Yep. That is so true. So how has that, what has happened in your marriage? How has it helped you be a better coach to women and help them with the burlesque and things like that? How has that helped? Yeah. How, the reason how I tie in burlesque is uh, what I didn't know about burlesque. It's a parody. It makes fun of the status quo. It makes fun of the things that we hide and pretend that don't, don't exist. You know, for a, a long time ago with the whole, you know, puritanical standards, you couldn't talk about sex. Women couldn't show a pregnancy. We all know how we get pregnant. We all continue, but we would hide it. Hush, 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 hush. And that was one of the things that burlesque started leaning into. Let's start talking about these things. And in its present day form, we're all, like our culture tells us we're supposed to be size two, have a thigh gap, no wrinkles, no gray. Well, women don't look like that. Women don't look like that. <laughs> but we all pretend. We put on our spanks and we pretend and we all buy into that. And that's why burlesque uses semi-nudity, never full nudity. But it's about revealing what is. I'm going to reveal my stretch marks because they are what they are. And these are my fat rolls. We all have them. <laughs> and it's funny that we pretend that we don't because we do. And after nursing babies, my chest looks different. And let's talk about it. And we're showing some of it. 
And that's what I do around my coaching with women and why I use the concepts of burlesque in my coaching. What are we pretending? What are we hiding? Our houses do not look like Pinterest houses. Mm -hmm. We don't have Instagram date nights. Our children are not perfect. Oh my God, let's talk about it and let's show it. I mean, even right now, you know, this is my office and this is what you see in my office, but over there are the piles of paper and over there is the vacuum cleaner that's still sitting out. Let's talk about it and let's show it because I'm not worth less because my house is a wreck. I'm not worth less because I've got fat and sag. I'm not worth less because I'm 52. Let's just talk about it. And that's what my coaching is all about. It's recognizing those labels, those roles, those scripts in our head about how we're supposed to be. And it's releasing them and coming to terms with who are you and what do you want? And then re-choreographing our lives in accordance with who we are and what we want. Because at the end of the day, we're accountable to ourselves. And I don't know about anybody else, but I want to end my life feeling joyful, knowing that I had juicy, deep connections with people, looking back and feeling happy with the memories and not being like, yeah, that was great. My house looked amazing and I never lived. My body looked amazing and I never enjoyed anything. And my relationships, they weren't satisfying, but oh boy, did they sure look good on the surface. So, yeah, and I do think my experience really, it, it, it connects because I felt that pain, not only in losing my career and my identity as a lawyer, because let me tell you, talk about judgment. When you say I'm a corporate attorney, people are like, oh, can I get this for you? Wow, you must be smart. When you're a mom and you're a housewife and you're like, yeah, I'm a mom. They're like, yeah, you're pretty stupid, aren't you? What do you do all day? You know, and it's like, wow. Just because I'm wearing sweats in my t-shirt because I've been cleaning all day and my kids are 22 months apart, it was pretty stressful. You're judging me completely different than you would if I was in my suit and that is not okay. No, it's not okay. Now let's get, before we go on to talking about this, we gotta stop for a brief commercial, but then we'll be right back talking about some of the um, stereotypes and some of the things about women. So here's our brief commercial from our sponsor. Schools closing their doors again this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic is devastating for students, parents, and educators. Beyond that, it has disproportionately challenged low resource school systems, further revealing educational and health inequities among communities. Teachers and parents are searching for tools that will enable schools to reopen but many of these solutions are expensive and time-consuming. To ease the magnitude of challenges faced by high-need school districts, we can provide a simple solution that has a deep impact. I'm Della, the founder of Nestle Space. Nestle provides easy, beautiful, health-centered design that adapts to any environment. We design products that are attentive to bodily experience, emotional health, and ergonomics, including our portable, touchless handwashing station. Our handwashing stations bring running water anywhere with an outlet accompanied by ergonomic design. Because no plumbing is required, our portable stations can be placed in classrooms, gymnasiums, lobbies, libraries, and beyond. The CDC has identified handwashing 
as a critical mitigation measure for schools during the pandemic. However, as evidenced by the high number of schools that have reached out to us over the last six months, many schools do not have prolific access to running water in classrooms and in other areas which they need to repurpose as classrooms in order to increase social distancing during the pandemic. We know schools are short on resources, dollars, space, and time. We can help, but we need your help to do so. We'd like to supply our Nestle Kids handwashing stations at no cost to selected public schools in need. Our first goal is to distribute these to 10 school districts. We are asking for your help to simply cover our production and shipping costs. Together, we believe we can help students more safely return to where they thrive most, at school. In these crazy times, we thank you for considering this and for your generosity. We believe that by helping support each other, we can make a positive impact in a very hard time. Again, thank you for your support. We hope you and yours stay well. And we're back. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the stereotypes that women face. I mean, obviously, most of us like you're, you got to be a size two. You have to you have to do it all. Basically, you have to be a mom. You can be a, uh, out there an attorney, a powerful person. If you're a stay at home mom, you have to do something else. You can't just be a stay at home mom. So let's talk about yeah. that. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Um <sighs> The three spheres that I really see are being smart, being sexy, and being spiritual. And those are three very normal parts of any human. We all have our intellect. <laughs> we all have the desire to know things and to learn things. And we're all smart at a certain thing. It can be something that we've studied. It can be, we can just be smart. We're all smart about something different. Sexy. Sexy is a such a threatening word. <laughs> Every person on the planet wants to be desirable. We all want to be pretty. We don't want to be pretty by somebody else's standards, but we all want to be loved and to feel pretty. There is nothing wrong with looking in the mirror and being like, hey, I look great today, or loving your hair, or loving your nails. We all want that. And sexy is such a threatening word, and it's been hijacked, and there is nothing wrong with sex or sexy or loving connection. Same thing with being spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily religious. It can be, it cannot be. We all have that desire, that drive to know more, to feel like we're, you know, a part of something bigger than us. Yet there is no stereotype or role, role model out there for a woman who is brilliant, who's healthily connected to her sexuality and who is very spiritually connected either. You're either a sexy bimbo and you're using your body, you're sleazy, you're easy, you're a crazy religious person, you're woo-woo, or you've got a chip on your shoulder and you're trying to be a man and you're all of this negative stuff about using your brain, a ball breaker, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. <laughs> I think we can be all. I think we are all. And I think we dumb ourselves down. We fake it. We have got such angst around, I want to be pretty, but I can't be, too, I want mm -hmm. to read, but I can't. And it's, it's ridiculous. And until we all 
just name it and say, you know what? Yeah, I can be all three and I can be more than that. Watch me. And then support other women. That's a big thing because sometimes we see a woman who is out there doing everything that we wish we could do. And instead of being like, dang, girl, that's awesome. I wish I was a little more comfortable in that. We start judging. Did you see what she was wearing? Did you see what she did? And that we can't do that. That brings us all down. Yep, I'm all yep, for I'm women all empowering, women other, empowering women. other women. So, do you so think you burlesque think is like, is that, like as well? that as well? The burlesque community, mm -hmm. it is an amazing community. Um, it, it was such a shift to me <laughs> to actually step into a community where people truly did not judge other people. It was very shocking to me. And again, within any community, there are outliers. But for the most part, the burlesque community accepts anyone of any size, of any color, of any anything. There are burlesque performers who have had mastectomies and show it. There is a very popular burlesque performer who has severe scoliosis. Every year in Las Vegas, there is a Legends Burlesque show and it's women in their 70s and 80s. I don't know about you, but I don't see semi-naked women in their 70s and 80s. God willing, we will all get to our 70s and 80s and it's kind of nice to know what's coming. <laughs> because it does look different and the bodies do change. And we don't talk about that and we don't show it. And there's a there's a fear of aging in our culture. We're all, all afraid of old people. Ah, I can't touch them and I can't sit by them. And they, they scare us because we don't see it. A long time ago when we had our aging mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers in our home, we were used to what an aging body looks like and acts like. And I think for me, there was something really healthy about seeing 70 and 80 year old women dance <laughs> in revealing costumes because at first, at first I was filled with judgment. I shouldn't see that. They shouldn't be up there. I can't, my eyes, my eyes. And then it was like, whoa, wait a minute, Lori, you're going to be there. You hope you're there. You hope one of the performers is in a wheelchair. Let's talk about it. Wow. Wow. That's just That's amazing. Just amazing. The fact that they're and they're doing, and they're doing that. It's totally amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, same thing with like the mastectomy to actually see a woman saying, this is what it looks like or the scoliosis or there are, I mean, when I say all sizes and shapes, there are all sizes and shapes. And they're beautiful. It's not like an oddity. Oh my gosh, look at that. They're up there and they're in beautiful costumes and they're moving with pride. And you go, wow, <laughs> that is beautiful. Some of the most beautiful performers I have ever seen do not fit our stereotypical norms. Yet they own their sexuality. They own their sensuality. They are so comfortable in their skin. And it makes you go, why am I so hung up? 
Why can't I just relax and enjoy? Because that's beautiful. And suddenly the idea of, oh my gosh, breast cancer and a mastectomy, it loses that fear factor because I can, I can still be a woman. I can gain 50 pounds and have a mastectomy or have, and I'm still a woman. It's in here. It's not out there. It's powerful. Well, so let's talk about you first taking the stage for your going on your first bolest show, because I know that you probably had a lot of nerves going on and this was something new and different. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh, it was terrifying. Terrifying. The first couple of performances too. Um, well, my very first routine was a parody about a female attorney and it was to the Madonna song, Girl Gone Wild. And it was taking my hair down, stripping out of my business suit. And I moved into a hot pink and black striped bra and panty set. And I picked the hot pink and black stripe because it was kind of like that circus theme. And I felt like I'm in this circus and this is crazy. And I'm breaking out of this persona. And I do have a lot of humor in my personality. So it was just kind of like the do, 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 you know, the circus thing. And I was terrified. And what I was terrified about was my body and my age and my dancing ability. And as I'm up there, something clicked in and it was like, I'm up here for me. And I don't have to be perfect up here. Being here is what it's about. And people want to see me being up here because it emboldens them to do that. And again, my next few performances, same thing. It was just bras and panties. But with every single time, I was a little more free to shimmy and to dance and to play. And burlesque, there is no, there is no fourth, fourth wall there. You have contact with the audience. So you tease, like you take off a glove and you tease and you pull it away from them and you, you know, can throw your boa at them. And it's, it's call and response. You know, they're like, woo, and you're like, wah. And it just amps that energy up because you're in conversation with them. It's not just a performance and it's not about you being perfect. And then as you perform more and things go wrong, costume malfunctions happen, you drop a prop. I slipped, I fell down during my 4th of July routine in tap shoes. Oh, with, wow. oh it was, I, I thought I was horrified. I had my 4th of July stuff and I've got these firecracker pasties because at that time I was more comfortable in pasties. And, and I leap off the stage because it's this revelry. Well, tap shoes on a cement floor it's like ice skates. And I flew and I'm flying what felt like for five minutes. And then I landed and I kicked my leg up and posed and the crowd went wild because that's life. Our life is not a perfectly choreographed performance. Our life is messy. So let's hit a pose, strike a pose, <laughs> enjoy that messy, let it fall apart. This is me. And the power too for me, if I can fall down on stage at age 50 <laughs> in tap shoes with firecracker pasties and laugh, I am as real as it comes. And if I can't, then what's the point? And people loved me more for my imperfections 
and my falling down than they would have ever if I was this little supermodel with a perfect routine because that's not real. So again, let's quit pretending that it is because it's not. So at what so age, what did, age you did you start doing liverless dancing, performing? Yeah, I started at age 44. Wow, this wow. is this jump. You went from corporate attorney to burlesque dancer. What did your family think about this when you started into doing this? At first, when people didn't understand what burlesque was, people would say, isn't that stripping? That is so weird. And then it was like, you know what? It's not stripping. Let me educate you first. Burlesque is a parody. And the reason nudity is used is because that's something that we're all hung up on. <laughs> and then they say, oh, I get that. And then I grew up dancing. I grew up performing. I was, I was a theater kid. I was a pom-pom in high school and college. I danced ballet forever. I've taught fitness because I love moving and dancing. So that was the natural, of course, I'm a performer. Of course, I dance. Of course. So people would understand that. And then as they started coming to shows and then seeing the performance art aspect. I can say things on stage, but I can't communicate well with words. I've got a me too routine. It's my most requested routine where I have a like a gag and it's to the song. Oh, it's a beautiful disturbing the silence, disturb the silence by, but it, it, it's not the sixties version. It's by disturbed sound of silence by disturbed. That's it. But in it, I, the last thing I take off is my gag because the last thing oftentimes that a woman steps into is the power of her voice. We can be sexy or flirty kind of as a defense. We can wear a role and step into our perfect little nature as a defense. The last thing we do is reveal our voice. So it's art. So now has, has your husband and your boys seen you or no? Yes. Yes. Um, my husband has always, has, has always gone to my routines. I've seen it. My kids, obviously I don't, I don't do anything inappropriate in front of my kids. And I think some of the bra and panty stuff is even inappropriate, you know, in front of my kids because I'm their mom. They have seen my costumes. They have seen um, me practice. My oldest, when he turned 21, he has not come to a live performance, but he's seen some of my videos. Again, my videos are so far back on stage and he's seen me in a swimsuit. There's really nothing different. And we've also had the talk around it. And I think they're healthier young men because of it. We've had the talk just because I am in a provocative outfit. Does it change that I'm a good mom? Does it change that I nurture? Does it change that I'm intelligent? Does it change that I'm spiritually connected? Does it change my value as a woman? Well, then what about the young women around you? If they're in a short skirt or their belly is showing or their bra straps are showing, what does that say about their character? Nothing. Nothing at all. What does it say about how you treat her? You treat her differently? Nope. Now let's talk about your book because I think your book has a lot to do with it. Flaunt, drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. So let's talk about that book. 
I love my book. <laughs> yes, my book is part story, part what I went through, all the different judgments that I have faced, and part how to, how you can start identifying some of the roles that you're living out, some of the labels that other people have labeled you, some of the scripts in your head about this is how it should be, and this is how I should look, and this is what we should do. And it's a series of some exercises. There's the insight. It takes a lot of insight. And then the exercises and how to get back in touch with who you are. And the term that I use is naked self-worth. And yes, I mean, there's a play on the nudity, but it's also who are you naked without your roles? If you were nobody's daughter, nobody's friend, nobody's sister, nobody's mother, if you did not have the label of attorney, counselor, pastor, who are you naked? And until you are able to connect with who you are naked outside of anything, it's really hard to have self-worth. And once you realize I'm valuable, I'm as valuable at 20 as I am at 80, as I am at 50, as I am at 130 pounds or 190 pounds. I'm valuable married. I'm valued single. I'm valuable it doesn't matter. You can take or release anything around me and I am still me. And that book is really the first step at understanding how to do that and why that's important because we're so conditioned to please. Once I get a degree, then I'll be worth it. Once I find a partner, then I'll be worth it. Once I do this, then I'll be worth it. Well, if mm -mm. Mm -mm. you're worth it just because you're you. So how did this book come about? Did it come about after you started burlesque, like you were in it for a few years or after you went through all that, the, the strain in your marriage or? It, it was like birthing a child. <laughs> it took a long time. I was always interested in the whole mind, body, spirit wellness. Like I said earlier, I danced growing up and I've taught fitness classes since 1988, actually. In the fitness industry, I realized there was such lack around what was going on inside. And there was such a focus on the external and I didn't like that. So I spent my years at home studying and researching um, you know, at first it was like, well, I got to get a handle on this weight loss thing. What's the problem? And there's the psychological stuff around that and body shame. And I was just interested. I ended up going back to school and becoming a hypnotherapist. I learned various forms of like healing touch and the Reiki energy. I really just got into it. And the book started off as ideas that I would have. I wonder if this would work. And then I started seeing my friends as clients. And then I when I got my hypnotherapy degree, I started taking people in and I would just experiment and I would write about it. And I think this works. And then it would be like, OK, this didn't work. I have to tweak this. So the book was really born from years of working with women just by being curious about how how can we break this down? What's beneath that? What's beneath that? What's beneath that? So my process flaunt is an acronym. And it's the flaunt process. And the book, you know, like I said, it's partially my story. And then it's the partially how-to. And the how-to was born from my years working with women on truly how to be happy and how to connect with your worth and how to own your own power 
and still show up and serve your family in the way that you want to. So you said flaunt's an acronym. What does it stand for? It, it is flaunt. F is find your fetish. If you think about kids, why do kids play? They play because it's fun. As women, what do we do that's fun? Not much. <laughs> Not much. Nope. Yeah. That F, find your fetish, is find that thing every day that just gives you a moment of joy. It could be walking to the mailbox, stopping and looking at the sky. It, whatever is your fetish, do it. L is laugh out loud. We get so wound around the axle that things have to be perfect and right. And oh my gosh, who our kids are doing this and our light, blah, 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 and the laundry light. Blah, blah. Just laugh. Just laugh. When things fall apart, laughter is cathartic. It helps us. AU is what I call the golden center of flaunt. And that stands for accept unconditionally. Mm. Oh my gosh, we've all heard the serenity prayer <laughs> about accepting what you can't change. Yet we all try to do that. If I only do this, then my mother-in-law is going to do that. And then my kids are going to say this. And we're always trying to change things around. Just accept unconditionally. People aren't going to change because you did something different. Your hips are not going to change. That's your bone structure. <laughs> accept unconditionally who you are and who other people are. And then you can have joy. N stands for navigate the negative. Life is just a series of navigating. It is not a fairy tale. We have to navigate every day. Dinner is going to get burned. It just is. We're going to run out of things. Kids are going to have make horrible choices. People will get in car accidents. We're going to have floods. There's going to be fires. There's going to be political unrest. How do we navigate it? Quit judging it as right or wrong and just navigate. And then T is really where you end up at the end of that process. And that is trusting your truth. And it all goes back to who, who you are, your naked self-worth. Once you know who you are, you can always rely on that. Because we come into this world alone. We go out of this world alone. It's amazing to have connection, but you've got to trust your own truth. Because that's the only time we get thrown off center is when we start trusting somebody else. Trust you. Yeah. Yep. And I can see that a lot of women are caught up in their self-worth. Their self-worth is their family, their career, their house, their, you know, and especially right now, like I'm an empty nester. I'm, well, I'm almost an empty nester. I, my, my youngest graduated high school this past spring, but she's still here in the house because of COVID, you know, but right. you know, it's like, okay, I, I gave birth to all these girls. I have three beautiful daughters, but you know, now what am I going to do for me? I've spent all the years of my life, you know, pouring into them now. Okay. What's, what's next in my life? You know? And I yeah. think a lot of moms out there are like that at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, like that it's, it's normal. And again, that's something that we should all talk about because we do lose our identity. I mean, my kids were, were my life. And it changes and we're going to lose our parents. You know, we might lose a spouse, whether it's divorce or, you know, death. We lose, we lose our shapes. We lose everything. Every, everything changes. And if we can just talk about, wow, identity is a really tough one. And it's really hard to go through these transitions. Let's talk about it. Instead of putting on that mask and being like, it's all great. It's mm -hmm. all perfect. I love it. It's just so great. 
<laughs> and then plus two, um, TV and movies, they portray the woman like if, especially if she's going through menopause it's one of these crazy women and they you know all hormonal or even when you're pregnant all the hormones and yeah the hormones are raging but they're making it sound like it's like so extreme like it's on the psychopath issue instead of it's a normal everyday occurrence that most women go through yeah Absolutely. And the judgment around that, because I think we've all been called hormonal by somebody. Oh, are you hormonal? And it just makes you want to become hormonal and kill somebody. <laughs> but again, conversation around that. How can we take that back? You know, how can we own it? Yeah, I am hormonal and I might feel like crying and that's okay. And you know what? Men have hormones too. Let's not throw it at each other. Let's all talk about it. I know yep. when I psycho it out of control. Let's talk about it. Yeah, that's true. Now you talked about being a hyp hypnoth hypnotherapist and Reiki. Let's talk yeah. about that real quick. Oh, so interesting. Um, you know, like I said, I just had to ex experiment and try and learn things. Hypnotherapy, I am in love with. We all have the conscious portion of our mind and the subconscious portion of our mind. And most things we do are habitual and we don't think about it. And what hypnotherapy does is it helps target that subconscious portion of the mind. So when we want to create a new habit, we can. Now, if you think about this, like brushing your teeth is a subconscious habit. You've been brushing it since what? You were four years old, three years old. You do it without thinking. If you're a right-handed brusher tonight, Go brush with the opposite hand and feel how weird it feels. That's that discomfort we experience whenever we're trying to create a new habit. And what hypnotherapy does basically is it occupies that conscious portion of the mind and it gets into that subconscious portion of the mind so you can more easily get comfortable with that discomfort. Because we've all said, I'm going to eat healthy. And then the next thing we know, we're munching on a donut. And we're like, what happened? What happened? It's just the subconscious. So yeah, it's, it's like a guided meditation. It's relaxing. You're always conscious. You're always aware. But it talks. You talk in the language of the subconscious. So you start reprogramming down there. And it makes it easier. No, it's not a magic bullet. But it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier to create new habits. And then as far as the Reiki, the energy work that I do, have you ever had that sensation like the hairs at the back of your neck standing up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about a bad event, you're like, ooh, ooh, I just want to, <laughs> that's just the energy. And what Reiki is, it's it's like when you were a kid and you would do that rain, sun, and it's mm -hmm. moving into the energy field of the body with intention to smooth that out. So when I work with people, like we'll talk about a traumatic time and you feel where it's prickly and you start smoothing it and calming down. So when you think about that scary event, you bring those emotions up and then you start calming on that energetic level and it resets your body's energy system, that energy field that's around your body. Wow, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> it's really cool. You can even try it on yourself. You don't really need any like special skills. <laughs> when you watch a scary movie or you think about a scary event, you know, maybe it's something you saw with one of your girls where you're like, oh, my baby. 
think about that, where the fear is. And then just start, you know, hands a little way, start calming it down. And start breathing as you calm it down. And pretty soon you'll be able to have that memory without that fear. Wow. Yeah. I just, I just love that. I mean, this has been such a great interview. I think we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I love talking to you. I know. I'm like, I just want to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to have you back on because I am going to do a, a series on women's issues. So I really would love to have you back on so we can extend our interview even more. Please. I would love that. Because, I mean, you've hit on everything. You've hit on women's, you know, the body issues, self-worth, going through infidelity, leaving your corporate job, being a stay-at-home mom, being going to burlesque. I mean, you basically have had every, almost every women's issue out there, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I, like, when, we, on me. <laughs> yeah, when we get off this call, I'm actually going to send you a link so you can book another call because I've just like learned so much from you. Um, but tell people where they can find you at. Yeah, perfect. You can find me a few different places. Um, I've got a flaunt flock on Facebook. If you like a Facebook group, flaunt flock. And that's where we just talk about the things. We talk about the real things that are going on. It's just a total judgment-free zone. And I'm live there every Monday morning. So jump on the group, communicate. That's fun. Um, my website is laurachetel.com. I've got some fun stuff up there and I've got a really fun download and it's the top 20 things that block your sparkle and what to do about them. And if you go to nakedselfworth.com, you can grab that download and then it'll put you on my email list. And again, I just email about these issues and things that I've learned. And I really like communicating. My big thing is we've got to talk about it. So lauracheetle.com, nakedselfworth.com, and find me on the Flock Flock Facebook group as well as any social media. Which brings me to a question that I actually wrote down as we were chatting. The Flock, you have flamingos. Are you seeing, yeah. I see a flamingo and you said you have all these flamingos. Why did you come up with the name Flock? A <laughs> couple of different reasons. Flamingo has always been my favorite animal because it's so unique. And I feel like every woman is like the flamingo. We're pink and we're bright and we're fluffy and we're so unique, but we cover it up. So I love that. And then also a flock. If you think about the flock of birds and, you know, the V formation, they take turns. You've got the lead and then they fall back in the lead and they fall back. And birds support each other. Birds are really intuitive in their support. And that's how I feel like women naturally are. And that sometimes we have been told that we're backstabbing and that we have been told that we need to compete. But in our natural formation, <laughs> we are like a flock of birds and we will support and we will take turns leading. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for being on. I really enjoyed this talk. I've learned a lot. I'm going to check out a lot. I am going to go get that book because I want to learn more about that because that book sounds so interesting as well. It's a, it's a fun one. It's a deep book, though. Uh, I want you to get it. I want everybody to get it. Most people say they read it because it's enjoyable and then they go back and then they start doing all the work because it's mm. a process. It's unlearning a lot of stuff. Wow. See, even you're learning. So do you think you're going to have another book come out or do you think it, yes. it's one and done? Oh, 
Are you yes. working on it now? Yes. My next book is Flourish, and it really goes in deep on my infidelity story and how I had to learn to flourish within myself. Wow. I want to read that one too as well. Because yeah. that was my word of the year two years ago was flourish. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. So once again, I want to thank you for being on and I'm going to send you that link so you can rebook because I want to have you on in March for the Women History Month. I do a women in business. I want to do women every single solitary day in the month of March. Oh, I so love that, it. So that it's highlighting women because women are the basically the forgotten part of society. They're the ones that basically build society because children wouldn't be here if it weren't for women, but they tend to be forgotten a lot in, I know. in society. Yeah, I know. Or devalued. You're just yeah. raising kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. So I want to thank you once again for being on and guys, we will see you on the next chat from the bog cabin. Bye. Lori has such a spirit about her that I was just so impressed with, with how she chatted and what she said. And it was just amazing to listen to her talk about all the things that she's gone through in her life and being able to love herself, even though, like she said, her husband cheated on her multiple times and she realized the problem was with her husband and not with herself, which is huge. <coughs> Excuse me for any woman that that has that issue you know it's huge because most of the time women take it upon themselves what did i do wrong when in fact it's what the husband's doing wrong um i really hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and like i said laura is going to come back on in march for the women in history month we're going to have everything about women um on there and it's going to be a fun chat i hope to um have you guys leave a, a rating and review on the podcast i Thank you so much for being part of the podcast family and subscribe as well. And let's remember, let's keep chatting.